Blog Talk Radio. and welcome to another episode of The Mystical Matchmaker. I am your host, Marla Martinson, matchmaker and author of Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. And today we have a quite a uh, heavy topic, uh, but it's very much needed and it's been in the news. So today we're talking about how to protect yourself against sexual abuse. Uh, we're talking about Dr. Larry Nasser, the doctor for the Olympic gymnastic team who was sentenced to between 40 and 175 years in prison for molesting women and girls while supposedly treating them for sports injuries. More than 150 women and girls confronted Nasser about his abuse at an extraordinary seven-day sentence hearing. And today I'm going to be talking with my amazing guest, Susan Allen, who is the founder of The Marriage Forum, and many of you know her as an amazing life coach, which she has worked with me many, many times and my clients and getting extraordinary results in all areas. And um, today we're going to speak about this, and Susan wants to share with you how to avoid sexual abuse and how to handle it if you've experienced any sexual abuse, including rape or molestation. So Susan, welcome to Mystical Matchmaker. Thank you. Great to be here. This is such a phenomenal topic because when people understand it and when they understand how they can protect and help their children, when they understand how they can protect and help themselves, then life becomes a lot more of a joy. Yes, and, you know, this also brings up a movement where people are coming out, you know, uh, naming names of of so many uh, men who have have abused their power and, and, uh, you know, abused or molested or harassed. And uh, I recently wrote an article uh, for Your Tango about my experience as a young actress in Hollywood and all of the casting directors and pretend to be ones that were trying to get me on that casting couch. And then uh, my sexual assault that, that, that I experienced as well was almost murdered and and raped in my, in my home. So so it's it's touching everybody. So, so, um, uh, let me see. And you know, Marla, we've all, we've all been through it. If you are in, certain environments like Hollywood Mm -hmm. or the fashion industry, Mm -hmm. which is where I was, or if Mm -hmm. you date very powerful, wealthy men, and, you know, your matchmaking business is about fixing women up with very wealthy, powerful men, this is a topic that they need to hear about as well. Oh, yeah. And even, I mean, I used to get approached when I was in my early 20s. I was real cute, and, you know, guys would approach me. In the, I mean, in the supermarket, in the, I remember getting of approached course. in the in the post office parking lot, 
guys say, oh, sure. you have just the right look for it for this fashion show I'm doing. But, of course, he wanted, and I said, well, let me give you my agent's number, and then they get pissed right. off because they wanted my number, you know, so they were too, trying their best. So, But, you know, so, if people um, don't understand yeah. this, and most people don't understand this, they have no idea how to avoid it. And it's a very different world now. You know, this began with Bill Cosby and expanded to Harvey Weinstein and Louis C.K. and so many others. And it's basically a world of pink pussycat hats if women really understand that they have a lot of different options. And one is to speak out. But I think the most important thing for people to understand who are listening is that As I had said to you, the U.S. Justice Department says that only 310 out of every 1,000 assaults are reported to the police. And this does not even include children who are under 12 years of age. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about the same shame factor, the same shame factor that stopped women from admitting that they'd been raped for, you know, thousands of years, Mm -hmm. not just recently, but thousands of years, Women were ashamed. For hundreds of years, women didn't want to go to court because their address would be revealed. This was in my childhood. They would reveal mm. the address of the victim in open court. Mm-hmm. So things oh have changed, God. but yeah. they're only yeah. changing because, you know, I'm from a generation which is I'm a little bit younger than Jane Fonda and Gloria Steinem, but still of the same generation. And we've yeah. been on the barricades for so many decades now. And it's thrilling to see that women today have picked up the torch and are moving forward. But the most important thing is mothers and their children. The mm-hmm. number one thing that changed this is for mothers to have the very uncomfortable conversation with their daughters and sons, because we now know from mm-hmm. teachers and priests that boys are not immune, less common. Right. You know, and certainly the Catholic Church has, to some small degree, begun to, you know, fess up and take responsibility. But still, boys need to be aware of this because they are being, uh, you know, sought out online and, you know, terrible, terrible things can happen to children who are online and unsupervised. So this is what the mother can do far more than the father because you know the traditional relationship is that the mm-hmm. mother has the more intimate open conversation with children than her husband or the father does and i know for me it was my mother who saved me from a gynecologist who was abusive i mean she literally saved me and this is a long 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 time ago and i didn't know literally what was happening i knew it was weird but I didn't know what was happening, and I don't think in those days I would have thought to have the conversation with my mother. So it's so crucial what mothers can do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's sometimes you, you feel that strangeness, like you don't want to talk to your mom about sex or certain subjects, or I certainly wouldn't have never, you know, my mother, when I asked my mother, you know, where do babies come from, how, is, how does this happen, and her answer to me was, I don't know. <laughs> That's how I'm. So what we're talking, yeah, what subject. we're talking about here, we're, we're talking about something right. different here. We're saying right. that the, I'm talking to you mothers right now. Yeah. So I'm yeah. speaking to you mothers in a very serious manner. 
that you mothers have an opportunity to share with your daughters and your sons that there are people not just, you know, learn how to say no. That doesn't begin Mm -hmm. to go far enough. Not just, you know, this is your body and nobody gets to touch it unless you give them permission. That doesn't begin to express what's really going on. It's that there are people who want to touch young people and beautiful young people and touch Mm -hmm. them in inappropriate ways. And we have to talk about what that's like. We have to talk about where they would want to touch a young girl Mm -hmm. or a young boy. We have to talk about how you can tell if this older person has an interest in you that seems strange. You immediately come to me. When somebody older than you wants to be your friend, you immediately Mm -hmm. have to come to me. So this is a very serious Mm. topic. And mothers and fathers, how to have these conversations with their children. And it is amazing to understand the percentages where this occurs because as you've you know just heard it's only a third of assaults are reported to the police currently and that doesn't include children under 12 at all because the primary desire for the parent is to protect their young children from the misery of talking to cops and social workers and judges which we understand except here's the problem The problem is that person goes on and does it again because it's an addiction. So I also work with parents to understand what addiction is. Most people, I sadly find even today, Marla, they just have no idea what addiction is. They don't know the signs of it. They don't know how to identify it. And most importantly, they don't know how to protect their children from it. Yes, because wasn't this guy was reported years and years ago, this doctor, uh, and nothing was done. And he went on and on and uh, just uh, with devastating results. That's right. And you can see. You couldn't stop it. Well, you could see that with the Olympic fever, Mm -hmm. the parents of the athletes didn't want to ruin their chances for, you know, Olympic gold, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You understand that these children have worked, and basically these kids give up their lives in order to become Olympic athletes. You know, right. they move far away from home. They're taken under the wing of their coach, etc. So the coaches, of course, should have been mentioned in that very long and extraordinary speech by, you know, Judge Rosemary mm-hmm. Aquilina. It was an unbelievable speech. And for those of you who are listening and haven't heard it, I would really encourage you. I heard it on CNN. It's on their website. It's also transcribed if you prefer to read it. It is extraordinary what this judge said. And the most prominent part of it is at the very end when she gave him this sentence, she said, I have just signed your death warrant. I know. So we're talking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we're talking and, about I mean, I wouldn't be surprised no if he's not, leeway. Uh, killed in prison. You know, he'll probably be shanked or something. You know, they. Of I course. wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Of course, because pedophiles are the most at-risk prisoners in any yeah. American prisoners. The other prisoners, you know, you know, prisoners, prisoners are there for all sorts of, you know, a medley of crimes, but for right. whatever reason. You know, pedophiles are, uh, 
you know, given almost no leeway. And one of my great mentors, the remarkable Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, who created nonviolent communication, who did so much work in prisons for decades, was, as far as I know, the only therapist who'd ever been successful in teaching pedophiles to give that up and find other ways to meet their needs for companionship and fun and peace and play and all the things that are the tragic basis of pedophilia. Mm-hmm. It is not a, a sexual motivation in many cases. Now, in Larry Nasser's case, because a lot of these girls were older and sexually developed, it appears that it was sexual, but that's not mm-hmm. always the reason. And everybody listening needs to really be aware of this. So, yeah, you know, for me it was a gynecologist. And, of course, there are mm-hmm. always people that you date who, you know, are too aggressive. That's, a, that's another story. But mm-hmm. if we're talking about protecting your young children, yeah. then it's really about keeping them away from adults who have no right to be in unsupervised situations with them. You do that, you're avoiding 80% of your children's. Makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, for parents. That's great. What can young women do themselves to protect themselves from this? Often they just Well, the most, yeah, the the most important thing with young women is to really wake up and look in the mirror. And while the horror of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s was when they used to blame women for being raped. They would say that, oh, if you're wearing a miniskirt, it's your fault. But the truth is that staying out of danger is each one of our responsibilities. You know, on my own keychain, I keep one of those things that has the incredible loud siren that would make anyone go insane. But at the same time, (laughs) I also have mace. But at the same time... I never walk through a parking garage alone after about 8 p.m. Period, right. end of story. There's Uber. Yes. Period, end of story. And I am an older woman, so I understand perfectly well that much, much rape has nothing to do with you being attractive. It has to mm-hmm. do with rage. It has to do with violence against women. But yeah. if you are young and beautiful, as I certainly was, then you have an additional problem, which is right. you're just available. You're there. You're available. Somebody wants to have sex. You're there. You're alone. You're an easy target. And when I see women late at night walking around in four-inch heels alone, I am so <laughs> tempted to run over to them and say, are you out of your mind? Because we know that long hair is what a rapist will grab to control you. Mm -hmm. And we know that high heels is what a rapist depends upon to be able to outrun you and overpower you. Great point. So, you know, what, what I know, having become an expert in domestic violence and having written a book with a, with a lot of points about that is that it is no longer enough to say it won't happen to me. Right. 
Yeah, well, when it when it happened to me, I, I said to myself, oh, it's finally my turn, because every night on the news you'd hear about somebody getting murdered or attacked yeah. or raped, and I thought, oh, yeah. my God, now it's happened to me. And, and I was in oh, uh, grubby clothes because I, I was moving. I, was, I had boxes. I was moving from one apartment to another, so I was not looking sexy. But uh, uh-huh. And then my boss at the time, who was a middle-aged Chinese woman, uh, told me, well, you know, the problem is you're too attractive, and that's what, why, you know, I I thought I'd go out of my mind. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? So it was but, a crime uh, of opportunity, Marla. It was a crime of opportunity. Two men, you know, saw me. They busted in, and uh, when I had the door open, it was like about nine nine o'clock at night. And uh, luckily, I was finally saved by by a neighbor after screaming and screaming and almost being passed out. But yep, that one was a crime of opportunity. Oh, my God. Now, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fact that people, particularly in California, seem to have no understanding of self-protection and protecting their possessions. So if any of you have ever left, yeah, if any of you have ever left, not not on a moving day, but if ever of you have ever left your house, even to go downstairs and get your mail, and you haven't locked it, let that be the last time you ever did it. Let that be the last yeah. time, because I am in charge of Neighborhood Watch, where I live in Santa Barbara. So I meet yeah. with the police regularly to find out what's going on, and we've stopped two different episodes of crime where I live in a lovely street in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. I also met with a guy who works with gangs in L.A. all the way up north past Salinas, and there are something like 300,000 gang members in the state of California. Three hundred thousand gang members, and as he said, this does not include tagging teams who just tag yeah. with spray paint. Right. So, anyone who has the idea that wherever they live, even if it's in Beverly Hills or Bel Air, is safe, is mistaken. Yeah. Right. So you never leave your house without locking your door, and you should lock both doors at all times because, as the police in Santa Barbara say. You never know when somebody's watching you from a parked car. You never know. Well, that's right. And there are a hundred tips like this that I can give people. Yeah, well, one tip that I'll I'll give that night that it happened to me, if I would have looked behind, now I always do this, before I walk in my door, before I walk in my car, I look behind me. And I didn't yes. look. And then I would have seen them approaching, and I wouldn't have gone yes. in, and I could have been screaming outside, not be inside with them. So always look yes. behind Precisely. Uh, you. Precisely. Yes. Uh, so Precisely. we're going to get into some more tips. But what's your phone number if people want to contact you? Thank you. And again, I offer a one-hour free telephone consultation about any of the topics that you ever hear me discuss with Marla. My number is eight one eight. Three one four twelve hundred eight one eight three one four twelve hundred. And if you or someone that you love has had this situation, been a victim, or if you're very concerned about how to avoid becoming a victim, please let me know. I mean, I have worked with clients, even one who had been a sex slave for a very long time, and working with me for three days, she healed from this. Gosh, talk to us a little bit about that. Thank you. So I was asked by a friend if I would work with a woman who had been through this hideous trauma and had never recovered, never recovered. And she was in her early 40s when I met her. 
And he asked me to do a special favor and work with her in person, which is, you know, I rarely do because I work with people all over the world. But she came to where I lived. At the time, it was Montecito. And she was kind of gray. Her skin was gray. And she Mm -hmm. was a very, very sweet woman, but her skin was gray, and she was about 50 pounds overweight, which, you know, is a common, common occurrence with rape victims. You know, and this desperate, unconscious desire to protect themselves, they want to create a bigger self, which, of course, we understand. So she told me this hideous, hideous tale of having been a sex slave for her father and her uncle Mm -hmm. and the male neighbor for over 10 years, from the time she was a very, very young child till the time Mm -hmm. she escaped and ran away when she was 16. So it was, a, you know, there isn't much more of of a horror story than one could ever hear than this. And certainly, even in war-torn countries, you know, even in, yeah. you know, the war in Yugoslavia, you don't hear much worse than this. Right. Uh, she became pregnant from one of them. There was a violent termination of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It just was unspeakable absolutely unspeakable so I had uh, to work with her on the only way out of this to get out of the victim story that's the only way out of this if you continue to sit as the victim you know even if you've been in a concentration camp you're Mm -hmm. never going to get out of the mentality you're never going to get out of the experience I was a student of a very famous man Dr. Fernando Flores who had been imprisoned during the Pinochet regime in Chile because he had been a member of the cabinet and he was tortured for five years. And his advice was when somebody has been tortured, they have to immediately create a new life while they do that inner work. Otherwise, that that old horror becomes their only life. So I worked with her for three days. I taught her self-empathy, how to bring herself to peace, whenever she would become terrified, heartbroken, enraged. I asked her about how many times a day she thought about this. It was about 30, 40 times a day. So a couple of times each hour she would have this thought. And the thought was not, thank God I escaped. The thought was, how could they have done this to me? So she was really trapped in, you know, devastating thoughts. And then I taught her the four questions of inquiry, how to look at the stories she was telling herself and how to turn that story around, all those hundreds of stories around, into stories that were more peaceful, more true, and far more powerful. And the first day we worked on stories and she went home. She came back the next day. She started to look more alive. She started to be more animated. She had a little color in her cheeks. We worked on, you know, a lot more stories. She was with me, I think, two hours the first day, two or three hours the second day. By the time she left the second day, she was starting to look like somebody who could really be alive and enjoy being alive. Mm -hmm. And by the third day, she came back. She was like a whole different person, Marla. She Mm -hmm. looked like somebody like, you know, people we know who have not been through hell, who have not come out of the trenches. 
And she was finally, before she left that third day, she was able to turn the story around so brilliantly because I suggested to her, how many years were you tortured? She was tortured for 11 years. Mm. How many years have gone by since you were tortured? Well, about 20. Right. So who has tortured you the longest? Mm-hmm. I have. I have. Yeah. So while she had been tortured by these incredibly sick, vicious, and violent men, in fact, because no one had taught her these skills before she met me, she had been torturing herself a few times each hour for more than 20 years. And not any longer. I have seen her since then. She is an entirely different person. She was even thrilled to tell me that she had lost so much weight because she didn't need Mm -hmm. to keep it on her anymore. And she's now having a life. And this has been about seven or so years. Wonderful. So anything that we experience, anything that we experience can be transformed. There's always a way to look at it that's going to allow you to have more compassion for yourself. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, so so, um, everyone, Susan is an amazing coach, whether it's your love life, your work, uh, issues like this, releasing the past. Um, She does mediation. She's like, she does it all. I don't know what Susan's like. (laughs) So brilliant. I mean, I've never met such a woman with such so many talents. So, so uh, you think? Thank you, dear. Her, what a lovely <laughs> thing to say from such her, a talented her, and a skilled uh, woman as you, because you are the greatest matchmaker that I have ever met and heard uh, about. You do an astounding job, phenomenal, and you, you have we, so much compassion for the men that you find women for. Wow. <laughs> yes, because every just because someone has a lot of money and they're doing well in their career, and you think this guy has it all, and then. But they can, they cannot uh, get their love life together, and they have some skills that they need to 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 uh, polish up or to learn. And that's what Susan and I try to do together. And anybody out there who's single, uh, single women, if you are looking for uh, that soulmate, you can go on my website marlamartinson.com, and there is a free training where you can watch a video that Susan and I did in the studio, an hour of chock full of amazing tips for you to get into a great relationship. And then not only do you get to watch that one-hour free training, you get a one-hour free session with Susan. Um, she's so generous in, uh, in offering free, uh, free session to anyone who would like one. So, Susan, uh, tell your um, phone number again. Thank you. It's 818-314-1200. 818-314-1200. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Susan. This was a really um, important topic today, and I hope you guys got some great tips on how to protect yourself. And much love, and until next time. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, Marla. Bye, Susan. Thank you. Bye.